0: Right, Acts chapter thirteen. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. <clears throat> we'll look at verses one through three. Acts chapter thirteen, verses one through three. The word of God says, "Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon. That was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen." which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and they laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Uh, And let's pray. Lord, thank you for the truth in your scriptures we're going to look at this evening. Help us to understand our responsibility uh, in the world as individuals, as a church. And Lord, may we find a cause that is greater than ourselves, that pulls us out of bed and towards a worthy goal. We pray you'd speak to our hearts tonight in Christ's name, amen. And you may be seated. And So tonight, I want to give you a Bible study on this subject, and you'll see how it helps our church, but it also applies to each one of us. And that is that in the scriptures, we see that churches plant churches. Churches plant churches. In Acts chapter 13, <laughs> there's a lot of different ways we could go with this, but we see the church here at Antioch, which was a a, a prominent church, really became the prototypical church of the time after the... persecution pushed believers outside of Jerusalem and they scattered, taking the gospel with them. The church at Antioch became just a powerhouse of Christianity and sending missionaries and soul winners in the local community, missionaries around uh, the, the region there. And in this case, we find them sending out some more folks. They had a lot of Wonderful ministers there. By ministers, that just means a servant of the Lord. We think often of, of a minister as one who is a, a professional or, or uh, has a position. But there's the word's used two ways. A minister can just be a servant. A minister, capital M, can be like a pastor, an evangelist, something like that. But they, they obviously had a lot of, of mature Christians doing a, a mighty work. And verse 2 says these people were busy serving the Lord. They were fasting. They were seeking the Lord. They were seeking His power. They were consumed with doing the work of the Lord. And let me just remind you that uh, you don't have to be a pastor to serve the Lord. You don't have to be a missionary or an evangelist to serve the Lord. The truth is, every Christian is a servant of the Lord. Uh, you say, well, uh, well, I'm, I'm an accountant. I'm a I'm a construction worker, I'm a driver, I'm a, I'm a this, I'm a that. Well, that may be what you do to provide for your family, but it shouldn't be who you are. That should not be the limit of who you are. And never forget that we should always get up to make a difference, not just get up to make a living. If you get in the habit of just getting up to make a living, that gets old real fast. But if you get in the habit of waking up and your, your profession might be X, but your purpose is Christ and your identity is Christ and that's a powerful way to live. And so we we must never forget that. But as these men were serving the Lord, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul. This is the call of God. Sometimes uh, God will call specific people to a certain work outside of the church. As a young man, 17 year old man at blessed old baptist church in jasonville indiana the holy ghost said separate me paul chapman and god put on me the call to become a a, a full-time preacher and a pastor and i've been doing that now all these years but that's the call here and then we see the church got together the church agreed they had an ordination service in verse three and when they had fasted and prayed they laid their hands on them and sent them away So you see here this church, this prototypical church that was doing an awful lot to reach their local area and the regions beyond, this church had built into their DNA, we're going to send people out to do the work of God. We are winning people to Christ, we're baptizing them, we're teaching them, but we fully expect people from our congregation to leave and go serve God somewhere else. And by the way, that should be the the expectation of every genuine church is we're going to do our best here to serve the Lord, but we also fully expect for God to use us other places as well, uh, whether it's through our missions program or specifically having people leave us to go and serve other places. Over the years, we've had young people grow up or get saved in the church, and they are now other places uh, and went other places uh, to work in local churches or to, to serve him. Uh, and so, But it doesn't happen near, as, near enough, and we need to pray for that. Not everybody should be called to the ministry. Not everybody will be called to the ministry uh, to go somewhere else and, and do the, the work of God, but everyone should surrender to the ministry. Every Christian should be so surrendered to God, and I'm talking about from the youngest to the oldest, Every one of us should be so surrendered to God that, God, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. You lead me where to go and I'll go. I'll move my family. I'll, I'll sell everything I have. I'll go work in the, in, in the jungles of South America. I'll go to the deserts of the Middle East. You say, that's scary. Well, it is scary in some way, but it's also the right thing to do. Now, the truth is, most people who surrender, God says, no, I'm happy with you just serving where you're at, right? Think about the maniac of Gadara. The maniac of Gadara got saved. He surrendered to follow Christ. He said, I want to go with you and and work with you. And and Jesus said, no, go home to your friends and tell them what God's done for you. For most of the Christians in the world, God's going to say, you go home to your friends. You stay right where you're at. You go to work and tell people about me. You go to your family, your friends. You work in that local church. But each one of us should be surrendered to go as God leads. But we see built into the very DNA of this church, they said, we are busy about not just building our church, but we want to start other churches. This portion of scripture is often used for missions, and as well it should be, as Paul was a missionary. But did you know missions is about church planning? What do missionaries do? They go somewhere else, and they win people to Christ, and they form a church, right? Uh, what do local church planners do, like here in America? They go to a place in America where there's no church, and they start a church. Really, the only difference between foreign missions and home missions is location, because they all have the same purpose, go into all the world, preach Christ, baptize believers, teach them up so they can go do the same, and that's the purpose. Most churches have this idea of foreign missions down pretty good. But a lot of churches miss the point about regional church planting. Now, our church is a little bit more focused on this than I think most. Uh, Save New England has helped us kind of focus on, even as a smaller church, There's not we don't have tons of money, we don't have uh, a lot of people that we can send out all over, but we do have some influence God's given us, and we are focused somewhat on our region. I think that pleases the Lord. I'll also say that God has used our small efforts through Save New England to help our entire region. Uh, Brother Chris Baker said before uh, he went to heaven just some months ago, uh, but last fall at our fall meeting, he stood right there, and he stood up in in the day sessions and said, uh, Save New England has done more to promote revival, soul winning, and church planning in our region than anything else in recent memory. Amen. And I kind of sit there and thought, wow, well, I haven't really thought about it like that. But that's, that's you, and that's me, and that's us pushing and pulling on the same rope and pushing against the same obstacles. And God can use our small efforts uh, to, to work in that. Uh, our conference coming up this fall, uh, you know, it's not uncommon for us to have Uh, 30, 40, 45 pastors come to that, preachers come to that, and any time that we encourage a preacher, we encourage his whole church, and then those folks go in their areas and and encourage people, and so uh, God has used our church in a special way in our region, but I think even we have some work to do on that just internally about what we can do. And I know sometimes it's hard You say, preacher, I'm just trying to pay the bills. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to survive. I'm trying to stay married. I'm trying to raise kids. I'm trying to, to, to get healthy. I'm, I'm just trying to survive. But one of the best things about getting a vision bigger than yourself is it's magnetic. You know, there's two types of motivation. There's a pushing motivation. Imagine somebody getting behind you, kind of shoving you down the road. That's a type of motivation. It's not our favorite one, is it? But there's also that that pull motivation. Imagine that you want something so bad that you're willing to walk towards it or even run towards it. And whenever we find a cause bigger than ourselves, even in our own lives with all of our troubles, it pulls us forward. It gets us out of the quicksand of trials and tribulations. We're able to think bigger than ourselves and our, our own problems. Think of... David, I listened to the story this morning as I was working. I was listening to the Bible, uh, the audio Bible, and, and uh, David going to his brothers, and everybody's standing around, and David's like, is there not a cause? Uh, and the rest of the, the Israelites were standing around and people pushing him. I'm sure they said, Eliab, you go. You're strong. And I'm sure somebody said, Saul, you're the, you're the king. You're the tallest when you go. And they're fighting against that. But David had something pulling him towards Goliath. He had a cause. And when we get a cause... It has the ability to pull us out of ourselves, to pull us out of our, our, our uh, stagnant position, our, our paralyzation, if you will, because of the circumstances and minutiae of life. And it pulls us towards something that matters. It gives life meaning, work and money and routine and all of that is not worth living. That's why a lot of people just say, what's the point? Well, the point is we've got a cause. And that cause pulls us out of ourselves towards something greater. And so this is important on a church level for us to understand the responsibility of our church. But a church is nothing more than an assembly of baptized believers. And so we must understand our position and responsibility and that gives us meaning. The average church does not understand their responsibility or even understand how to affect the region, they often have their their local outreach in their town and, and, and the outreach is out of their church, and then they have a far foreign missions program, but there is a place that's missed, that middle region between home and afar. We're supposed to be doing something with that too. And this church had the idea that it's built into the very... DNA of our church. We're going to reach people here. and We're going to do everything we can to see churches started other places. Why? Because <coughs> it's God's plan for churches to start churches. Where do churches come from? Do they just show up? You start a church like a business? No, somebody has to get a burden. Somebody has to preach that burden. Somebody has to teach other people about the burden. There has to be churches that say, This is what's important, and this is what we're going to do, and it's it's vital. Every discerning believer will confess that we need many more churches in countless communities. And many believers pray to this end. Lord, give us more good churches. Lord, give us more good churches. Most fundamental pastors who believe the Bible stand ready to help a worthy church planner or a young church with Prayer and encouragement and financial support. And we're thankful for all of that, but we have to understand that that model is not working to save our nation. We're losing our nation while we wait for God to do something. Sin is abounding, churches shrivel up and die. While they pray for God to work on someone else's heart, God sends someone else do something, but perhaps we are part of the answers to our own prayers. And new churches are simply a result of people being saved. Technically, we could go into town, rent space and put a sign on the door. But if there's no people, it's not a church. Remember, the church isn't the building. The church is the assembly of baptized believers. And so new churches are simply a result of people going soul winning. When a church planter goes somewhere, his purpose is to go soul winning. And when people to Christ, when a foreign missionary goes to the field, his purpose is to preach Christ and go soul winning and get a group of believers baptizing them. And they become the church. The process of church planning begins with personal evangelism. Let's look at a verse that we're we're very familiar with, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, we see the Great Commission. (coughs) And it's good to look at it every once in a while, be reminded of of our purpose. And again, a lot of people think of, of this in the terms of of personal soul winning, local church outreach, foreign missions. But there is an area in between that often gets neglected. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, the Bible says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So we see the power in verse 18. Jesus has the power. We see the potential. We see the process in verse 19. We see the promise of his presence in verse 20. You're never alone. If you, if you get to the place where you're not feeling the presence of God, you're not, you're not sensing the presence of God in your life, And one of the best things you can do is get busy telling other people about him. Because Jesus said, when you're involved telling other people about me, I'm with you always. Now, he's always with believers. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Hebrews 13 says, but I believe this is the promise of his presence. You're going to know I'm there. You're going to know you're not alone when you're involved in telling the world about me. Uh, And... Church planning begins with personal evangelism. God has called every believer to take the gospel to the world and make more disciples of Christ. But I wonder if you've ever stopped to consider that this idea is found even in nature. Consider an apple tree. Where do apple trees come from? Seeds. seeds. So you can't, if you go down to the store and buy an apple tree, where'd they get it? You <laughs> know, there had to be a seed somewhere. But where do you get apple seeds from? Apples. So watch this. You have a tree. The fruit of the tree is an Apple. If you want more tree, the the seed for another tree is within the fruit from that tree. And you see this process happen. A seed gets planted. It matures. It bears fruit. That fruit has to die. That seed's released. And the process repeats all throughout time until the Lord... Changes things. When each fruit ripens and dies, it spreads the seeds for many more apple trees to grow. But consider this. In the same way, the Christian has the gospel seed within them to bear fruit. And the fruit of the righteous, the Bible says, is a tree of life. Well, What's a tree of life? A tree of life is a tree that gives more life what life are we talking about eternal life so watch this i get saved i have within me eternal life i now have the seed in me to spread eternal life to others when they receive the seed they become a tree of life where they can give the seed of life to others the seed of life is the gospel and so every time you eat an apple and you get down to those seeds don't begrudge it. Think, oh, praise God, that's where we get apples from. But also think, this is the seed. I've got the seed in me. Now what happens if, a, if a apples all over the place just stopped having seeds in them? What if apple trees just didn't have any more fruit? Wouldn't be too long until there's no more apple trees, right? And when Christians don't give out the gospel seed not too long before the number of christians shrivel up you've got to understand nobody's born a christian right nobody's born with salvation that's something that has to be freely accepted by faith in jesus christ you have to be able to understand what you're doing make a decision accept christ that means every new generation that's born everybody's lost And we have to win more people to Christ. And for 2,000 years, that's how the process has worked. Christians who get mature, they begin to bear fruit. They have to die to themselves and their own self-interest so they can release that seed so new Christians can be birthed. John fifteen eight says, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. What fruit is that? Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. What's that talking about? The last half of the verse says, and he that winneth souls is wise. It's a soul winning verse. And so the fruit of the Christian is another Christian. Sometimes people get confused about John 15. They say, no, that's the fruit of the spirit. But how is the fruit of the spirit the fruit of the Christian? No, the fruit of the spirit is the fruit of the spirit right? The fruit of the Christian is another Christian. And so we must accept responsibility taking the seed that's within us, die to ourselves, obey the great commission. New Christians are born again through faith in Jesus Christ. Soul winning evangelism is weaved into the spiritual DNA of every believer. It's the same with churches. Churches start churches. The seed for a new church is within Curtis Corner Baptist Church. If churches like Curtis Corner Baptist Church don't birth new churches, new churches don't get started. Understand when I use the word churches, I'm talking about Bible churches, gospel preaching churches with the right doctrine. Everything that's called a church is not a church and all churches are not equal. Talking about the right kind of churches. A new church is the natural byproduct or fruit of a church that dies to its own self-interest and obeys the Great Commission. Church planting is weaved into the spiritual DNA of our church and every church. And if we don't understand that, no new churches get started. Look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. (laughs) Let me show you this from a different angle. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts 1.8, the Bible says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. A lot of people stop there. Yep, when we receive the Holy Spirit power, now that gives us the boldness, the ability to step outside of ourselves and witness. See, witnessing for Christ is not a product of your personality. I am naturally a very shy person naturally very introverted. Now, you don't know me that way. And oftentimes when I say that, people are like, no, no, you don't feel that way. Uh, and I've told you stories, and, and naturally, I, I very easily could have been a Baptist monk. I'd be happy to be on the side of some mountain somewhere in Tibet, you know, with the King James Bible and some coffee. Give me a French press coffee and some beans and, and uh, my family, and I'm, I'm good. What you see is a byproduct of spirit fullness. Most of my frustrations in the Christian life come whenever I'm not allowing the Holy Spirit to operate in me as freely as he should. Would you agree with that? There are times when I'm, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't don't want to witness. I don't want to go. But that's always a red flag that, well, I must not be operating in the spirit because the spirit gives me the ability and the desire to do so. And so we understand that when the Holy Ghost comes upon us, we'll become witnesses. But we often stop there, but read the rest of the verse. Both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So we've talked about this many times. The word both means at the same time. So it's God's plan that a local church reach their local community while at the same time reaching to the uttermost parts of the earth. We do that in two ways. Through soul winning, personal soul winning evangelism outreach ministries in our church and through our foreign missions program, the gospel is going out this week in the far reaches of the world <coughs> because of our missions program, the missionaries we support, your giving given towards missions and so, far. Uh, so on. But notice there's two, other, there's two other places between Jerusalem, which is your local town, local city, and the uttermost parts. There's two other locations mentioned, and we find them here in verse 8. The Bible says, in Jerusalem and in Judea, that's kind of your region, Samaria, that's the next door region, and the uttermost part of the earth. So if you think about this, If you were to drop a pebble in the water, that pebble, the rings go out in concentric circles, don't they? And they kind of go out a little bit and they go a little further and a little further and a little further and a little further. And that's the way our gospel influence should happen from right here at 591 Curtis Corner Road. There are concentric circles going out from our place, taking the gospel with us. But notice if you drop a pebble, it doesn't give a couple close circles and then wait a while and then now the circles are far away. No, it's a a smooth development all the way through. And I think one thing that's lacking in a lot of church outreach programs and in a lot of church DNA in how they think about reaching the world is they forget about those local regions. They forget about Judea and Samaria. And one way you do that is by starting churches. The local church takes the responsibility to start another church, praying for a man of God to come. But the church is going to finance it. The church is going to support it. We talk about the the mother church. Imagine if if our church was like a a mom that has children. When those children are coming, the the mom provides all the sustenance in the beginning. The um, uh, the, the, the new church is born. The mother helps it along. There's two ways to start churches on the forum field or here. One is to support someone else's burden, which we do regularly, and we support several church planners right now. Uh, some other man uh, with the most of the burden, uh, burdened by some other church, uh, and then they get some support from other places, and we, we just kind of help them along. But there's also, each church should be willing sometime in the church's life to be a mother church, to take on the burden and say, no, our church is going to take on the primary responsibility of birthing another church into existence. I'm not sure there's no record in the 185-year history of our church. It may be. Maybe I just don't know it. I have not come across any records in the 185-year history of our church where Curtis Corner Baptist Church has taken on the burden to start another church. And I think that's something we need to rectify. I think every new church plant should be birthed with the idea that, hey, one of these days we're going to start a church. That's just part of the DNA of the church. Why is Curtis Corner Baptist Church here? You know, this church was started in 1842 been on this corner since 1844 think about that 185 years this August hard to believe our 175th was 10 years ago you believe that (laughs) yeah Don said that's older than me and I think it may be I'm not quite sure but I'm I'm willing to look at your birth certificate and and uh, see if that's true but uh, uh, it's a long time and so how did we get here And the truth is, there was a church in the northern part of our state that had a burden for the people in South Kingstown. There needed to be a gospel preaching church here in our town. Now, if you were to drive to where that church was located today, it's only about a 40-minute drive on nice roads, but back then it would have been an all-day wagon ride. You think 1842, people are still horse and buggy folks. We had people from our church, members from our church, fight in the Civil War. we got to get some context. This was horse and buggy days. It would have taken someone all day to get down here. They said somebody's got to reach those people down there. And so that church organized and took upon itself the burden to start a church in South Kingstown during all the trials and tribulation of the mid-1800s. Think about how poor people were. Think about how difficult life was. But imagine for almost 200 years, the people that sacrificed to start that church have been reaping eternal rewards because they said, we're going to help this happen. We're going to take on the burden to make this happen. Think about that. That's a worthy goal, isn't it? But now compare that with many churches today. There has never been, in the history of Christendom, there has never been a people who've been given more. More money, more tools, more opportunity. And yet I wonder if there's ever been a a generation of Christians who've done less with what they've been given. Now, I know who I'm talking to tonight. We are a Wednesday night crowd. You folks work hard. You work hard to survive. Many of you work hard in the church. You are the most faithful members of the church. I am not looking down on you or rebuking you. I'm just saying you've got to understand we have been given a lot. And to whom much is given, much is required. But I think the answer is to work in some ways to work smarter and not harder. You know, we can change tactics a little bit, use the tools we've been given to accomplish more. And of course, John 9, 4 says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. Every church that exists today exists because God moved upon a pastor and a church to promote great com- the Great Commission through personal soul winning and public church planning, whether that be regional or foreign missions. And I think God can use us to do the same. I'm not saying we're in a position to do it right now. We're in a rebuilding phase. We had a, a bit of an exodus in 2018, we got punched with COVID. I mean, we took a, a one-two punch in the right in the gizzard from the evil one. And, uh, but the church is still strong. And we're building back up. We are reaching new people. We're seeing new people saved. We're seeing visitors come regularly. The guests that came Sunday are looking forward to coming back this weekend and planning to bring a family member. I mean, the, the future is bright God has called us to a worthy goal. And we need to be thinking of the reasons we can and the reasons God can instead of the reasons we can't. Listen to this statement. The size of your church should not determine the size of your vision. Because we have a great big God. The depths of your pockets should not determine the strength of your commitment. Because God is able. And we always have to make sure that we're walking by faith and not by sight. Walking by sight is making decisions based on what you see or don't see. Walking by faith is making decisions based on the will and leadership of God. Let me show you a final verse here. In Ephesians, just as an encouragement to us, Ephesians chapter 3. I just missed Brother Ken there for a moment. Every time I'd say Ephesians, Ephesians, he'd say, Pastor, it's Ephesians. It's not, not Ephesians. He used to give me a hard time. He'd tell me later. It's not Ephesians. It's Ephesians. <laughs> and I'd say, okay, Brother Ken, you're, you're right. I don't know how to stop saying it. But you're right, but uh, I sure do miss him. Ephesians 3.20, look at this beautiful verse. Now unto him that is able. Well, you could stop right there. Able to do what? Yes. Able to do anything. But notice what it says. I love how it phrases this. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Well, that puts it in perspective, doesn't it? God's able to do over and above, multiplied more than we could even ask. I don't know about you, but I've got a pretty big asker. You could ask for a lot, can't you? By the way, ask. Pray specific prayers. Find the will of God. Ask for what God wants. He will answer prayers. We've had some mighty big prayers answered in the last few years, even personally as a family, some mighty big prayers answered the, uh, the last few years specifically. But pray specifically. Ask. But whatever you ask, he's able to do more. And then he said, I'm also able to do multiplied more than you can even think. Whatever you're capable of dreaming up, God says, you're not even close. You're not capable of of imagining my limits. (laughs) Think about that. That ought to encourage us. And that same God says, call unto me, and I will answer thee. Jeremiah 33, 3. But notice what it says next. And show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. God says, I'll not only answer your prayers, I'll surprise you Uh in how big my answers are. Right. Isn't that a blessing? Amen. But notice how he does that. Well, if I could just get a hold of God, you know, God's so far away. I know God's got all this amazing power, and he's so far away, and I don't know how to get to him, and if I could ever just... Oh, but we didn't finish the verse, did we? Look at what the rest of the verse says. Let's read it all together. Uh, Ephesians 3.20, let's read it together. Ready? Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. That, my friend, is life-changing. Because the power that's able to do beyond anything we can imagine is not far away. It's actually already in us in the form of the Holy Spirit. God says, I'm going to do more than you can imagine with what you already have. That's pretty amazing. Then read the verse 21. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Notice what that truth does. It even got the Holy Spirit excited the Holy Spirit here inspiring this and the Apostle Paul getting excited by inspiration of the Holy Spirit and notice the, the depth and breadth of this praise. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. Of course, he's the one who's worthy of all praise and honor and worship and gives us all good things come from God through Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. That's eternity, folks. And then he amens himself. I like it when God amends himself. And God says, that's right. Don't you forget it. That's what amen means, right? That's right. That's true. And God says such a mighty statement. He said, that's right. It's like saying, don't you forget it. It's easy for us because we're having the burdens of life to kind of live under the burdens. But I'm encouraging us tonight, it's the vision The cause greater than ourself that pulls us out from underneath the burdens to live in the glorious possibility that is the will of God. And that's what God invites us to. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this truth. I pray our church would have just this built in identity, this DNA that course, of course we're gonna start churches. Of course we are. What churches do. And, of course, we're going to go soul winning. That's what, that's what churches do. It's the way God built everything. The seed for the new thing is within the thing that already exists. And, Lord, the, the seed for new Christians is within us. Please help us. Give us boldness through the power of the Spirit. Give us power. Win people to yourself. Draw people to yourself. Use our feeble efforts. Build your church here in this community. And Curtis Corner Baptist Church.